Um, I think we're still in half, half term phase where people are still away and things like that, but it's great to see you all. Ooh, bit of a whistle, that's all right. Um, I'm going to jump straight into it this morning. Um, but I think over the last few weeks, for those of you who don't know, this is um, a fairly new building for us. We've been here for a couple of years. We've been on a real mission as a church to get this building up and running. And uh, we really see this place as a place that we want to bless this city with. And um, in recent weeks and, and, and months, um, I think there's been this underlying theme that um, we haven't really planned for, but it keeps coming back about yeah. us being a church to be a blessing to the city and to yeah. go out and to sow seed yeah. in the city, in the nations, and the nations like we heard this morning from the couple that are moving to the Middle East. And uh, a few um, months ago, uh, at our advanced prayer meeting, Jim asked us the question, why have we... What, Jim felt God asking um, Jim the question, why have I given you a grain store at the heart of this city? And uh, as we prayed and reflected about that, lots of words came and it was brilliant. But I, I was really drawn to the, the life of Joseph in, in the book of Genesis yeah. and just the fact that he, um, he fed the nations, didn't he, with the, with the grain store. Yeah. And, uh, and I kept on coming back to that. And uh, so I want to just kind of look at that question. Why have I given you a grain store in the heart of this city through the kind of that lens of Joseph this morning? So, um, so that's what we're going to do. And I love the kind of the Old Testament stories because so many of the characters in there were a right mess, like, like the rest of us. They, they all messed up at times. But God had a salvation plan. He had a mission. He had a dream that one day he would send his son to this earth. And, then, and the stories in the Old Testament are always pointing to Jesus. And I love yes. that. When you read the stories, you, you get glimpses of Jesus through those stories. So I'm going to just quickly summarise the life of Joseph. I do recommend, if you've got time, just to um, find the story in Genesis 37 and onwards. And just take some time to read that and unpack that. I haven't got time to read all that. You'll be thankful to know this morning. But I'm going to try and summarise it. And uh, Joseph's story is a, is a fantastic one. It's, um, it's, it's a real roller coaster. It's a real blockbuster. Even a West End musical was made about it. And it's just um, this up and down life of, of Joseph. And it starts with this young man, Joseph, at the age of 17. He's one of the youngest sons of Jacob. There's, there's 12 brothers in all. And his father favours Joseph. Uh, Favouriting is not good, my kids tell me this. It's not good to favor, have favourite children. It's not a good principle, but Jacob did favour Joseph. And, um, and to demonstrate his, his favour for Joseph, he gave him this beautiful coat, colourful coat. Um, and it was part of a symbol of his favouritism, but also that passing on of the birthright, missing the eldest son and passing it on to Joseph. And, um, and now, I don't know what kind of culture you grew up in, but in my household, I was one of four siblings and there was real sibling rivalry. And I think in any culture, in any life, there is sibling rivalry, isn't there? But in Joseph's life, this is kind of amplified because he had these, these incredibly accurate dreams that one day his brothers would bow down before him. Now, if you're an older brother, you don't really want to be hearing the fact that one day you're going to bow down before your younger brother. Um, and so there kind of this real tension in that household with the favouritism, but also the fact that he had these very accurate dreams. Um, and so one day his brothers were out in the fields and they saw Joseph coming from afar off and they plotted to kill Joseph. They hated him that much that they plotted to kill Joseph. So, um, so they're out in the fields, they see him coming, um, but there's a moment of intervention, a moment of grace from Reuben and Judah who intervene and say, we're not going to kill him, let's just put him in that pit. Um, and then they sell him off to these Midianite traders that are passing by. And um, they go back to their father and dip his brother's coat in blood, and they say to their father, your, your favourite son is dead, and his, his father Jacob grieves. 
And, uh, but Joseph is then taken by these Midianite traders to the land of Egypt, where Joseph is sold as a slave into Potiphar's household. And then um, Joseph, eventually, even though he's a slave in that household, he finds favour by Potiphar. And he's a blessing to that household. And it's amazing to read that you just see that Joseph, a slave in that household, becomes a real blessing within that. And Potiphar's house is blessed. And Joseph is given a position of prominence in that household. But then you get this drama, this bit of roller coaster in the story where Potiphar's wife finds Joseph very attractive. He was very handsome, very muscly, a bit like me, if you can imagine that. And then um, and Potiphar's wife is um, attracted to him and tries to seduce him. And, um, and then um, Joseph kind of um, spurns her and he, she ends up getting him thrown into prison and he's taken to prison. And uh, what, what you find there, again, in prison, he finds favour amongst the guards. He's, he's, he's a blessing, even in prison, and he finds favour amongst the guards. And then he spends a fair bit of time in prison, um, and then there's more dreams. And uh, you have the Pharaoh's cupbearer and Pharaoh's baker in prison with him too, and they both have dreams. One Pharaoh's cupbearer is quite positive, the baker's less positive, and uh, Joseph kind of interprets these dreams. And um, as, as cupbearer returns to his position in the palace under Pharaoh, he says to Joseph, remember me, won't you, when you go back to Pharaoh? But the cupbearer quickly forgets Joseph and he spends another couple of years in prison. And you think, man, when he looks at it, God, what are you doing? I had these dreams as a child and I'm stuck here in prison. How are they going to come into fulfilment? And you could imagine him getting quite frustrated. But uh, eventually, Pharaoh has these dreams as well about the seven fat cows and the seven thin cows and the seven big sheaves of corn and the seven thin sheaves of corn and how uh, the fat cows and the fat sheaves of corn eat up the other two. Um, and uh, the, and um, Jay, Pharaoh is looking for someone to interpret these dreams because he's quite disturbed by these dreams. And the cupbearer remembers Joseph in prison and Pharaoh calls him to himself. And, uh, and Pharaoh, and Joseph interprets these dreams about there's going to be seven years of prosperity but then there's going to be seven years of famine, and you need to prepare, you need to stockpile your storehouses to get through these seven years of famine. And, uh, and Pharaoh is so impressed with Joseph. He find, he's, um, that, uh, Joseph is given this amazing position in Egypt as the chief of staff, and he has great influence and, and power in the land of Egypt. And he's got, because Joseph, sorry, Pharaoh sees God's blessing and favour on uh, Joseph himself. And then you get this amazing picture at the end where... Um, because um, there's great famine in all the nations surrounding Egypt. And uh, the, the brothers come up from, from their land, and they bow before Joseph, not knowing who Joseph is at that point. And, um, and at that moment, Joseph had, he says, off with their heads. No, he doesn't. There's this beautiful moment of grace. There's this beautiful moment of mercy, where he looks down upon his brothers, and um, he... He, he says, cut the long story short, we're going to get into a bit more detail later on. He welcomes his brothers, his father, and all their households into the land of Egypt, and they are saved through the actions of Joseph. So that's kind of a really quick summary of the story. Apologies to kind of race through it, but I wanted to kind of unpack it a bit more um, and get into some of the detail. But I do recommend, go home and take some time to read the story of Genesis, uh, Joseph in Genesis. Yeah. It's a great story. But before we get unpack it, in more detail, I just want to give you a bit of context in terms of where Joseph fits in the, in the um, storyline. And uh, Joseph was the son of Jacob, and Jacob was the son of Isaac, and Isaac was the son of Abraham. Now, they were all really important people in God's master plan. And um, so you, Joseph is the great-grandson of Abraham. And uh, Bill referenced it this morning, didn't he? 
God made a covenant with Abraham um, back in Genesis 12. He said, I will bless you and I will bless those, uh, sorry, I will bless those who bless you and curse whoever who curses you. Um, I will make your name great and I will make you a blessing to those around you or something like that. I've misread yeah. that. But basically, essentially saying, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. And it's, it's really important that we hear those words, we hear the context of it, because we are also inheritors of that covenant. Joseph was an inheritor of that covenant from Abraham, and now we are also inheritors of that covenant. And it's really important that we hear those, sto- uh, those words. Right at the beginning of the story of Israel, God said, I will make you a blessing, and you will be a blessing too. And, um, uh, sorry, let me just find my notes. And what God's essentially saying there is that right at the beginning of time, God had a master plan to bring salvation to this world. Right at the very beginning, you have to remember at the context of this point, he'd already written people off through the flood and Noah, and it said he dealt with their sin, and he said, there's another way. One day I'm going to send salvation to you, and it's going to come through your bloodline, Abraham, and I'm going to make you a blessing, your descendants a blessing, and, the, and we all inherit that. And if we jump forward slightly to Genesis 15, um, where it says, um, there's another promise from, Abraham, it's from God to Abraham, where he says, know for certain that your offspring, Joseph was his offspring, will be um, strangers or refugees in a foreign land, a land that is not theirs. They will be servants there, ill-treated for 400 years, but I will punish the nation that they serve as slaves, and after they will come out with great possessions. And kind of you, what you have to remember is that Joseph is coming in context of these prophecies and these words that God has given to Abraham. Yes. And God is saying it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a really plain, smooth journey to, to the promises that I've got in store for you. There's going to be t- times of where it's going to be um, trouble. There's going to be times of hardship. But I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing. So that's kind of the context that we, um, we understand that Joseph is, is born into. And so I just want to kind of unpack some, some, some points from, that I took from Joseph's story. And the first thing is this, that in all things, God works for our good. In all things, God works for our good. When you look at the life of Joseph and you look at the stories and the roller coaster that he kind of went on, you can, you can kind of see his story as just kind of a collection of events. But no, throughout his life, God was working and he's going to fulfill that promise that he'd made to Abraham. And kind of there's, there's moments in his life where you look back and you think, how's that promise you've made to Abraham going to be fulfilled? When you, we, we luckily know the full story, don't we? You know what happened to Joseph. But if you're looking at that individually, at those events, and you see his brother's about to kill him, you think in your back of your head, how's God's promise to Abraham going to be fulfilled if they, if they kill him? And it's interesting, isn't it? That moment when his brothers hated him so much they wanted to kill him. But Judah and Reuben intervene. And uh, it, it's interesting, at the very end of the story of Joseph, when J- Joseph is looking back with his brothers, he says this to them in a time of reflection. He says, you meant that moment of evil towards me, but God meant it for good. You meant that evil towards me, sorry, you meant that uh, moment where you threw me into that pit as evil towards me, but God meant it for good. There's times in, in, in his life where, God's, uh, where Joseph's probably questioning, God, what are you doing in this moment? When he was thrown into prison after Potiphar's wife, when the cupbearer leaves him to rot in prison, 
there's, there's moments there where he's thinking, God, what are you doing? How, how's this promise that you gave me a long time ago in a dream going to be fulfilled? But in all things, God is working for his good. And I think we can all relate to that, can't we? We all have roller coasters in our lives. We all have moments in our life where you think, God, what are you doing? What's going on here? I can't see you working. But it says in Romans 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are being called according to his purpose. And I think we can all relate to that. There's been moments in my life when I look back, I think, God, where were you? What were you doing? But I can see God's hand in it, and he's brought me through situations. One real, real one for us is when Emily, our youngest, was born. <coughs> she, she had a real serious heart condition. And, um, sorry, I never see that one coming, but it always does. And... Um, <laughs> And, and at the time, when she was born, uh, day after day, we just had bad news, bad news, bad news. You think, man, what's going on here? And lots of people came to me with that verse. God, in all things, God works for your good. I couldn't see it at the time. I really wrestled with that one. But when I look back, I can see God's favour and blessing on that time. I can see what God did in my life through that uh, story. So first point, God works for, in all things, God is working for our good to make us a blessing to those around us. Secondly, what I took from Joseph's life was that he remains faithful and therefore is a blessing. Whatever situation Joseph found himself in, whether that was in prison, whether that was in a pit, whether that was as a slave, he was faithful and he carried out his tasks with diligence, integrity, and he did the things that God asked him to do. If you look at his time in, Pharaoh's, in Potiphar's household in chapter 39, it's where he's there as a slave. But Potiphar sees his diligence, his integrity, and he gets on. And he works from being a slave to being the chief of staff in that household. And he, he, he manages the household and the estate. And, and Pharaoh, sorry, Potiphar sees his favour upon him. And then again, later on in the story, you see when he's in prison, the guards, see, the guards in the prison see God's favour and blessing upon him because he carries out his work with integrity and diligence. And then later on, because of that, in those times where he's in prison and what have you, God's working in him, shaping his character, bringing him into maturity through the situations he's taking him through, he's making him more mature and that he will be a blessing. And, and eventually we see at the end of the story, he's there in Egypt, the chief of staff in Egypt. He's the top man next to Pharaoh and he's governing the nation of Egypt and he becomes a blessing to Egypt as they, as, they, as they go through the years of prosperity into the years of famine. They've got full stocks, you know, stockpiles of resources in their, in, their, in their stores that they can bless the nations around him. God, through Pharaoh's diligence and integrity, God blesses him. And he makes him a blessing to the households and to the nations that he's there in. And it kind of gets me questioning, doesn't it, about my own life. When I'm at work, am I acting with integrity? Am I diligent in the things that I'm asked to do? Am I um, a blessing to my employer? And uh, I think we've all got to ask that question. When, when my employer's not working, when my boss is not looking, am I acting with diligence and integrity? Am I doing the things that God's asked me to do that I might be a blessing to my company, that we might have favour as a company? And um, it's important that we kind of take Joseph's attitude with that and, and we, we, are we have integrity that we might be a blessing to our employers and to the nations. And then the last point that I kind of took from Joseph, and there's, there's loads in there, but this is the, the last one, was really that grace and mercy overflow. When I look at Joseph's life, 
I'm struck by how quick he is to forgive others around him, how quick he is to give out grace and mercy. There's loads in Joseph's life that he could be bitter about. There's loads of things and situations and circumstances that he could be really bitter about. If you look at it, he was, his brothers turning on him when he was age of 17, saying, look, we don't want anything more to do with you. They, they were about to kill him, and they sell him off to slaves. He could be really bitter against his brothers. He was unjustly thrown into prison. Again, he could be bitter about that situation and the fact that then the cupbearer forgets him in prison and he, ha- he spends another few years in there just rotting away. And again, he could just be bitter about those circumstances. He could be really, uh, really, um, yeah, rightly so. I think we wouldn't judge him for that. I think like, he had some really harsh things happen to him and I don't think any of us would really judge him for that. But I think what I've learned in my lifetime, um, as I look back on my life, when, when I've had things that happen to me and uh, people have done to me, I have been bitter at times. And uh, what I've learned from that is actually bitterness destroys. Yeah. Bitterness kills. Bitterness just <coughs> binds you up. And actually, we can learn a lot from Joseph about grace and mercy. Grace, mercy, and love, they bring life. And, uh, and, and I think we have to uh, kind of guard our hearts against it. You think when you come to that moment in the, in the story, it's an absolutely beautiful, poignant moment in the story where Joseph's brothers are there, bowed before him. They, they don't know who Joseph is. And at that moment, he, could, he had so much power, he had so much influence in that land, he could have easily said, off with their heads, or thrown them into prison, or at least just, I told you so. But he didn't, did he? It was a moment of grace. It was a moment of mercy. There's a moment of reconciliation and restoration. And he, he weeps with them. He rejoices with them. He, he welcomes them in to Egypt and he makes them a, a safe place for them in Egypt so that they can get through the famine. It's a beautiful moment of restoration. And I think we can all be challenged by that, can't we? When we encounter hard, difficult situations, when people do things wrong against us, do we, do we hold bitterness in our hearts that destroys? Or do we allow grace and mercy to overflow. And it's a really poignant moment in history as well, that, where if you know your Old Testament history, at that moment when Joseph is restoring these brothers back to himself, these brothers become the 12 tribes of Judah, of which one will come. The great line of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, is all part of God's master plan that God is fulfilling. Right from the outset, God had a dream that one day he would send his son to, to this earth that, it, that would bring salvation to all of it. And at that moment, Mo, Joseph is restoring his brothers. They become the 12 tribes of Israel. And from that place, Jesus would come from, from the tribe of Judah. And kind of like I said at the beginning of this, uh, this I love the Old Testament stories because they, they point to Jesus, don't they? They all point to Jesus. They all say, one is coming. One is coming. And I, I love that song that we sang this morning. It's the blood of Jesus that yeah. restores us. And uh, w- when you look, there's many parallels between Joseph and Jesus in, in, the, in their stories. Joseph was beaten and bruised and battered. Jesus was bruised, beaten and battered. And uh, Jesus went to the cross. And, and on that moment when he's on the cross, those persecuting him, those who put him to death, thought they were killing God's dream. They thought it was all done. But we know that Jesus rose again that he was restored. And because of that, we can be cleansed by his blood. And that therefore, we can have a relationship with him. And because of our relationship through him, we are blessed. Therefore, we can go and be a blessing. 
So I just kind of want to come back to that question that I had at the beginning that, that Jim posed to us um, back in advance. Is why have I given you a grain store in the heart of the city? And my answer to it through the lens of my, Joseph is to, that we can be a blessing to this city. We can be a blessing to the nation. Right. And we can be a blessing to the nation, nations. We, like I said at the beginning, God made a covenant with Abraham. He said, I will make you a blessing. And you will be a blessing. And... Uh, Joseph and, and his family, they went off and they were foreigners and strangers in a, in a distant land. And when I look at our culture today, we're foreigners and strangers in a distant land, I feel. People don't recognise our God anymore. People don't recognise the truths we know in God's word. And therefore we're strangers and we're foreigners in this land. But Joseph was a stranger and a foreigner in the land, but he was a blessing to that nation. And uh, in our nation today, we're called to be blessings, aren't we? We're called to be... Um, and when you look at this culture, when you look at this, there's a real famine in terms of morality. There's a real famine in terms of spirituality. There's a real famine in so many ways in our culture. And never before, they need God. They need Jesus. And, uh, and we're called to be sowers of that seed, aren't we? We're to be... This is a grain store here, and we're to take the grain to this city. It's not just for us, is it? This is a storehouse that we have to take it out to, to this city, to the people we work with. How do we do that? Well, I would argue um, we speak Jesus, don't we? We tell people about Jesus. It's all about him. Yeah. It's all about him. God had a master plan right at the beginning of time that he would send Jesus. And we, we've been blessed by that. And each one of us has been blessed by that. We have a relationship with him. And, uh, but we're to go and we're to speak Jesus to our city. We're, we're to demonstrate grace and mercy to our city. I love the fact that, um, like we sang this morning, Jesus met us where we were at. He cleansed us with his blood. We didn't have to try and achieve his standard and try and get to where he was at. He came down and met us where we were at. And so when we go out to our city to feed our city, it's meeting people where they're at. It's not expecting them to be righteous. It's not expecting them to be good. It's meeting them where they're at and telling them about Jesus, telling them about his unconditional love. I'm so thankful that he looks at me unconditionally. I don't have to try and achieve anything, but he loves me for who I am and uh, what he's made me. But also, another way that we sow seeds, isn't it, is testifying to what God has done in our lives. So many of us have got different stories. So many of us have got different things that God has done in each of our lives. And we've got to tell people about it and uh, tell people what God has done to, uh, to point them to Jesus. That's all we have to do, is, is just speak about him and sow the seeds. But also, a few weeks ago, Rachel had this great picture about hay fever and pollen. Now, I'm a big hay fever sufferer, and you can't see pollen. I go out on my bike, cycling, and I often come back and my eyes and nose are just streaming because of the pollen that I've eaten. But Rachel had this picture about God's presence and the way that the pollen had gathered around her car one morning. And this place is to be where the presence of God rests. It rests on each one of us. But we also want it to be this building, this place, this grain store, to be a place where God's presence rests. So when people come into this building and that they encounter something of Jesus, as people walk in and out of this building, they, they take something of Jesus with them, that they feed on his presence, they feed on, on, on who he is. But also, let me encourage you, dare to dream. Joseph was a dreamer. God spoke to him in dreams and gave him dreams. And let me encourage you, dare to dream. What can you see this building being used for? How can we use this building to feed this city? 
it may be simple in that each day in the week we have a, a, a cafe. And it may be you just come and sit at one of the tables and talk to the people that come in and out of this building. It may be that you've, you've got a great, uh, you're a very creative person. You can maybe hold an art class here or, or you may be good at languages or something that you can hold a modern foreign languages class here. You can do something to draw people into this storehouse of ours that they can come in and just mingle and be with us and then we can talk to them about Jesus and the hope that we have. We had an open mic night recently. It was great just to see people come in from the city into this amazing building of ours and just have fun and just play their instruments. But it was a way of mingling and interacting with people. We really want this building to be a place where God's presence is. It's a grain store that we can feed the city with. But also, um, part of feeding and blessing the nations is sending some of our best. We're sending Alex, well, I can't <coughs> mention them, but we're sending a couple to, um, to the Middle East, like we heard about earlier. And, um, and that is about blessing the nations, isn't it? And that we've got to get behind those guys. We've got to pray for them. Yeah. We've got to send them. We've got to support them. We've just got to send love to them. Just message them every now and then. Just say, how are you doing? What are you doing? Because they're doing an amazing thing. And, and our prayer is that many more will go. Many more will go, whether into this city or into the nation or into the nations of the world. We've got an amazing thing that we are a blessing and we can be a blessing to the nations. So I'm going I'm to invite the band back up in a moment and we're just going to um, sing prophetically that song, um, I Speak Jesus. There's a real anointing on that song at the moment. And I think as we stand here at the top of this building, we look over this city. It, that we, we, we speak Jesus over the city because he is the food, he is the grain that we need to take out to the nations. But before we do that, I just want us to invite us to stand. And um, we, we, we all have different day-to-day things, aren't we? Some of us are retired, some of us are um, working different places. And I just want, kind of want to pray for just a couple of bunch of people. And um, I think if you, if you work in a school here this morning, can you just raise your hand? We've got Rachel... Kyra at the back, we've got Mel, and I just, uh, sorry Jane as well, and I just feel like it'd be great for the rest of us just to hold our hands towards these people. I think yeah. schools are really tough places to yeah. be in at the moment, some really challenging environments, and, uh, but we've got some people here, some amazing people that can be a blessing in those environments. I think that childhood, some, some, some things have been robbed from children's childhood at the moment, mm. and, and these people have got real wisdom and, and, and a real blessing. And uh, so it would be great just to just raise our hands out to, to these, these guys that are working in schools and just, just pray for them. So, Father, I just want to lift the, these people mm. to you, those that work in schools. It's a really tough environment to be in. There's so many pressures, so many difficult, challenging behaviours and things like that. And, Father, I just want to pray for these people that they will be a blessing to their schools. There will be a blessing to those children. That, Father, they will be able to reveal something of your heart and your love for those children, that so many of them from broken homes, broken families, that, um, that Father, they will be a blessing and be able to demonstrate something of the love of God to them. Father, just, just bless them, I pray, Lord. Give them strength each day to get up and, and go into those environments and just be a blessing. And may they find favour in those places that they can speak truth, Father, I pray. Yeah. And also, I just want to pray for those in business, men or women that are in business. I just feel like that Joseph, he had real influence in the land. He had real influence in, in, in the nations. And I just want to pray for anybody in business here this morning, Father, Lord, that you will bless them, that you will cause to have favour upon them. Father, that in their places of work, that they will be diligent. 
they will have integrity. And Father, they will be able to speak out for you. Father, that they will be able to bring resources into your kingdom. Lord, that they will be able to be a blessing, a place of... And they will be able to bless their employer just by being there, Father. In meetings, that they will bring wisdom that only you can bring, Father. That they will unlock situations, Father. Lord, that you'll be upon them, Lord, I pray. But also just want to pray for anybody working in the NHS. Again, a really challenging environment at the moment. Father, I just want to pray for anybody working in the NHS. Father, I pray your blessing. I pray for energy. I pray for favour. Father, I pray, Lord, that they will be a blessing in their workplace. Father, where it's tough, where there's pressures, Father, I pray that they will be a blessing. Father, where they're dealing directly with patients or members of the public, Father, I pray, Lord, that they will be able to speak Jesus. Father, I pray in their their places, Father, that they'll be able to bring supernatural healing uh, but also bring their wisdom to their day-to-day job, Father, I pray. So, Father, I pray for each one of us here, Father, that we may be a blessing. Lord, that, Father, I thank you that we inherit that covenant, we inherit that promise that we, that you will make us a blessing and we will be a blessing. So, Father, come upon each one of us with the power of your Holy Spirit that we might be a blessing to this city, to the nations, and to the nations of the world, Father, I pray. Mm. Let's finish by just, yeah, Bill. Just very, very quickly as we 